You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, hello. Uh, that happened. This is John Schneider of Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey with my co-host, Brian. Very angry tonight, Manning. We're going to hear from Brian in a little while. I got a feeling I'm not going to be saying a whole lot tonight because Brian's got a few mouthfuls to give you all. So let's just go over this real quick. Yeah, we lost. We got beat. We got beat bad. It was like a drum yeah, woodshed, the whole bit. Let's just go through all of the litany of stuff. But the biggest the biggest problem that we've got right now is that this team, for whatever reason, didn't turn the corner. I warned about it, not turning the corner. The big if statement at the beginning of the season with the Boston College game that we had, had to be very aware of, that if they did not win the Boston College game, that it was going to be a long season and that this team had not turned the corner yet. Well, guess what came true in spades? If it wasn't abundantly clear at ODU and Furman, came true in spades the beginning of this weekend. Brian, I'm going to turn it over to you for a little while and probably go get my, see if I can go get the fire extinguisher. <laughs> How's it going, John? Uh, first of all, it's, it's an honor to be able to go to these games, cover this team, because it's a team we all team and school that we all love. And but um, I admit it's getting pretty hard to to do this because. But we'll stay, we'll hang in there and do it because we love it. But the the product we're seeing on the field right now is atrocious. It doesn't see any signs of being better anytime soon, and I, I can't really. I'm not going to point to anything positive on Friday night. We had one play on a broken coverage there in the, I think it was the third quarter when we saw Hazelton finally. And there was one run with McLeese there in the first half where he went 45 yards that we couldn't finish the drive and score on. So then there was the quarterback rotation, Willis in, Hooker in, and then Patterson in for a play to run the backside of his left guard. Not a whole lot positive going on here. And in the quarterback rotation, I mean, First of all, Ryan Wilson, not good. Hooker and Patterson, I, I don't know if they're good. They were four-star recruits. Quincy Patterson was an Elite 11 participant, so and he had lots of opportunities to go elsewhere, came here. So Quinte got two of his guys here, and he's four years in. He still hasn't found a quarterback. That's an issue considering he's a quarterback guy. So I don't really see anything getting better anytime soon. This has the makings of a – I'm going to say three-win team, and that th third win being over Rhode Island, which technically really doesn't count toward bowl eligibility. 
Well, at three win, if, if if it was at three wins, you're you're talking about not worrying about bowl eligibility anyway. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. If they somehow could luck into winning six games, and that being one of them, then it doesn't. It's not going to matter. But we shouldn't be talking about that anyway. This team doesn't deserve to go to a bowl. The the whole mystique of this bowl streak needs to end. It's been an issue for eight. It needed to end eight, seven, eight years ago, so they could kind of hit a, a reset button. But here we are. They're still fighting for it, and. It's just a shame, and like I said, I, I don't see any signs of anything getting better. And as far as Bud Foster, Bud deserves better. We all love Bud. Bud's been an issue for a few years on the recruiting front because in, in Beamer's latter years, I think Beamer coasted because he didn't like the road recruiting and all that, and he allowed Bud to do the same. I think when Fuente first got here, Bud was a little re-energized, but that didn't last. And the only really recruit that we've seen Bud go all out in the last five years is Dax Hollyfield, who – as much as I like him, shouldn't even be starting. Alan Tisdale's better he's right now. He's not an outside linebacker. No, he's not. But yeah, that's, that's not an outside linebacker. You can't just throw a guy in there because you recruited him and promised him a starting job. It's either you bench Ashby and play Dax, which I'm not advocating for because right now Ashby's better, and you play Tisdale at the outside backer spot because Tisdale's better right now. Because it's funny, when, when the defense had Tisdale on the field, they, they were better. And then as soon as Dax came back on the field, the, the defense got slower. Reggie Floyd's the senior captain. I've not seen him make a lot of plays this year. That's another issue. I'm, I'm, and I like Reggie Floyd too, but Shamari Connors, the guy, is the best player in that group. But Yeah, and they really picked on him. If you didn't notice, they picked on him a lot. Cutcliffe had a serious game plan. He laid out a situation in the game where he kind of suckered us in in the first quarter running all the time, not doing a whole lot of passing, not doing it. And on the sideline, I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is going to be – this is not going to be good. It's not going to look good if we cannot score these points, if we cannot drive the ball, if we cannot operate. He's going to turn around, and he's going to start throwing that short passing game that he's been using. He's got a pro-style short three-second, three 3.5-second passing game going with this kid, Quentin Harris, and we warned about it in the preview show. Harris is extremely efficient. He's a good passer and he can run. So I knew at some point something was going to break. And what broke was that inscrutably, brutally bad series that we ended up on the four yard line, tank two plays into the line of scrimmage on dive plays, and then kind of sort of mumbled around the end on the short side of the field, got it down to like the one yard line. And then we sort of settled for a field goal. It was like, oh, well, we'll get back to it later. And it's like, no, you ended up not getting back to it later. The points were absolutely inconsequential. It meant nothing to the game. It was actually a good start on offense, I thought. I mean, they, didn't, they were moving the ball. I mean, the first – of course, you get, to, you get to midfield, and then you stall out. Then the second drive, you get the ball in good field position. You drive down to the goal territory, and, of course, they stalled and – Two good drives to begin the game, or two good—they were in good field position, and they couldn't. They got three points out of it, and that says it all for the offense. And I know after the game, for one time, he took accountability because he never takes accountability for anything since he's been here. But he took accountability that that the offense has no identity, and he blamed himself for. I mean, he should have done this a long time ago, and for his sake, he should take over play calling. He's the offensive guru. It's why he got the job. He needs to take over play calling. I'm not saying he's any better. He sure as heck can't be any worse than the guy he's got who shouldn't even be a coordinator at the um, 
Division Two level coaching Rowan College. I don't mind Cornelson being up in the booth relaying information down to the sideline, but those plays need to be called from the sideline from somebody who's in direct communication with the people on the field. And yeah, if it's Fuente, it's Fuente. And I don't like the head coach calling plays. I really don't because I think the head coach needs to be a head coach. But this is an emergency situation. You know, wants- okay, you know, it, 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 some of the rules go away when you got an emergency going on. And this is an emergency. He's hated it right now in the New River Valley and, of course, by Tech alums, every, fans everywhere. And to me, it's an emergency situation. He wants to get this offense going. If this offense can get going, this defense isn't good, but this defense is passable if if he can get the offense going. Well, and- part of the okay, we got about a minute before the break. Part of it is really simple. Look at the time of possession in the game. I don't have the stats up in front of me on my computer screen. I should. Bad host, bad host. But here's the deal. When your defense is on the field that much for an entire game, you're going to bite it. I'm sorry. It's just that's the way it is. Your, your defense is going to fall apart because it's going to be gassed. And I'll tell you about one thing was so telling. Chamari Connor knocks down a 52 or 53-yard kind of a shallow crossing. It was like a flag route that went down the field, and I was shooting from behind it. So I couldn't really see how far it went, but it looked about 50 yards sprinted him like Dickens down the field, knocks the ball down. And what does he do? Cutcliffe's OC calls a a quick out within a three-second drop again, a quick out right in front of Chamari Connor, who's gassed and breathing like he's a freight train because he, he barely got set again. And then they 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 jumped him again when he when he was flat footed. That, that's amazing offense. That's that's the kind of offense we should have been calling, not this timid stuff that we keep throwing it to these 12 plays that we keep circulating and running the same 12, 13 plays all over again. So we'll be back in a few seconds here as they as we hear about whatever podcasts or whatever we have to that pay our bills. We're back. I've said my piece on that. Brian, you I know you've got some more. Well. As far as uh, I just think about the uh, the game Friday night, as bad as it was, and then you know I think last week there was a lot of hope. Excuse me, that coming into the game with the uh, the basketball situation with Henry Henry Coleman going to come there, and that didn't happen, of course. And then on there was a game Friday night. Everybody was excited after a week off. Surely we were, we were going to come out and win. And then Saturday that you had some official visit of a four star prospect you wanted. Then they did terrible on Friday night. And then on Saturday morning, the official visitor canceled. (laughs) The weekend doesn't really get much worse if you're a Virginia Tech fan after this one. And the the recruiting class that we have coming up is already ranked like 74th right now. It's going to get worse. And I don't even know what to say because there's just... We're going to get decommits. There are going to be decommits. The the big thing, the only thing that you've got with, with decommits is you get kids that really don't mean it. Decommits are everywhere. They're they're five star prospects or they're two star prospects. Decommits jump the gun and some they, of them, yeah they get they get all they get all buzzy in the head with the t shirts and the hee haw and look I post in the uniform and so I'm not worried about the recruiting class for that because we have so few people leaving unless they leave 
uh, you know, unless they hit the transfer portal, we have very few scholarships available over the next couple of years. I'm I'm extremely worried because part of the part of the hype with Fuente and the staff was there going to be their ability to develop, to identify and develop. That's how Frank Beamer and that staff did it all these years at Virginia Tech. Because it's not always the easiest place to recruit to recruit to, and they identified, they developed. Well, Fuente, I can't tell you how many guys he's missed on that he already after they were here for what one semester, one year. It's already gone. He's just, he's not developing these guys. He's offering scholarships to people who shouldn't be playing in power five. And you're seeing the product on the field. You're seeing guys who shouldn't be out there, not their fault. They're going to take the opportunity and he's not connecting with these recruits. He doesn't care. I mean, he's, he doesn't act like he cares. There's no emotion. There's no passion. It's not just no emotion, but it's you see it in his team. There's no emotion. There's no passion. That that's inexcusable. Uh, there's there's emotion and passion. You have to be down on the sideline, but it's in it's in groups, it's in small groups. It's, it's not from it, the head. It's not it, from the head coach. That, that's and, sure. and yeah, the head coach stalks around and looks head coachy. Yeah, but uh, hmm. you know, I I can't I can't say too much one way or the other. I can say I had hoped with the little statue and the ceremony that we'd sort of exercise the ghost of Frank Beamer and moved on. But I think the apparition is still here. He needs to stay engaged. He's a human being. He has feelings. But I don't think right now. I, I sat on the sideline with the as I was as I was kind of getting reset uh, along the south end side of the end, south end zone, and, and and I was taking pictures and they faked the punt. Now Cutcliffe didn't have to fake the punt, and like I said, he lost. He lost every ounce of credibility in in the sportsmanship and and decency award that he was holding in my heart at least he, nobody was going to come back and beat the duke and w- whatever running that fake punt was first of all it was dumb because now everybody knows they can do it so so to me tipping your hand on that when you might need it later on was struck me as being really short-sighted in order to make to grind some salt in a wound. And that's basically what Cutcliffe was doing. He was just grinding some salt in a wound. And so he lost some sportsmanship class points, like a lot for me. I mean, he's down to a zero as far as I'm concerned. And I don't think he's going to gain it back. But I do think that one of the one of the things that we're, we're facing tech right now as a program is still facing the ghost of Frank Beamer. We can't let it go. He's there with his eyes looking like somebody stuck him right in the gut with that fake punt. I think because Cutcliffe's a friend of his, I think there's something, you know, I think he was completely flabbergasted. He looked, he looked like, I can't believe he did that. He was like completely stunned. And it shows something that Frank was out of touch with what's going on in the league. You know, this place was not doing well in 2007, 2008. I've got to get my son Joshua on on this podcast someday to go over all of the late Beamer era recruiting failures, all of the big four-star pushes and everything else, and all of the guys that just evaporated that didn't happen. Trust me. I know know all about those recruiting failures. Trust me. And and as much as... As much we all love Frank, we we do, and and I and I mentioned him earlier about the uh, lack of involvement in recruiting. That's what killed recruiting in the two th- in the in the two thousands. Once the 
after the end of the ACC, won a few ACC titles. That's what killed the recruiting. He was done with it. He allowed Bud not to care. But we've transitioned, and, and Frank's going to be around the program. And it's, we can't excuse he's, Justin He's not Frank. going anywhere. We can't, but we cannot excuse Justin Fuente for what we see on the field right now. It's getting worse every season since he's been there. And you don't see glimmers of hope. You see things getting worse. Here's the thing from an old communications guy and something interesting. Catherine, my daughter, who edits us, did not put up a prediction because she doesn't feel like she's qualified. And she is. She's a really good, smart football fan. But she she just won't admit she is. She put a, You know what she predicted the score to be? She predicted the score to be 35-10 Duke. That's pretty close. I kid you not. She kid she 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 predicted she goes G for ten points. And I and I told her I wish you'd put it on the page because you you were correct. You were actually right. She's and, and her point was the PR, the Fuente would have people on his side as he's trying to rebuild this mess if he would talk to people. And get engaged, yes, and be passionate about stuff, and get upset with 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 bad referee calls. And and you know, have you ever noticed that the team really responded when he did that? Yeah, I think he would help himself immensely if he would be open with the media and have the program open up to the media. It's it's not about the media as much as it's about the the fans and the donors and the alumni and everybody. They want to know what's going on, and you don't have to give give the trade secrets, but you need to. Yeah, you're not handing everybody right. the playbook, but what you're handing people is, hey, look, you know, because what they do is say, see the pictures in the Beamer Barn. Here's five minutes. Well, you know, uh, 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 donate to the Hokie Club, and when you get a sticker, he needs to come out and say, you know, look, we know we're struggling right now. We're going to try to get better. This 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 area here, we're hurting at. We need to get better. This is how we're going to get better. You don't have to give anything, give anything out, but the fact that you're so tight-lipped, so it comes across as arrogant, and he doesn't open himself up, and it's in and the team's struggling. And I'm telling and you now, there's a we ton. never hear injury, we never hear injury stuff unless it's so obvious it's it's a freight train hitting you in the face. You never hear injury reports. You never hear the fact that that the reason why there was a relay for the quarterback besides a little shakeup, trying to do a little shakeup, is Ryan Willis is hurt. He was at the training table several times on the sideline. I, I know because I witnessed it. It wasn't like I need a source or anything. I almost stumbled over him a couple of times as I was trying to get from one end of the field to the other. He was at the training table getting stuff taped up and, and things checked. And there was a, a hand up, a big hand with like blood and stuff on top of the training table as some trainer was trying to get something stopped or taped up. He was playing hurt, and that's another thing that I'm not sure I understand where Fuente's coming from is I know he doesn't have any quarterbacks that he trusts. And the closest thing to a quarterback that he trusts is Ryan Willis. And and my thing is, he he picked these guys out. These why and that's and that's the question. Okay, let it tell people why Hendon Hooker is not at the top of the list right now. Tell people why Quincy Patterson isn't ready. Is it because he's not getting the offense and he needs more help or you just don't want to play him yet because you're not, you don't think that the offense is ready to put him in, uh, you know, because of what the offense you think the offense can do. We know that we're suffering from uh, 12 plays in, you know, 15 plays 
and no, not much more sophistication than that in the offense. So that's a head scratch. Where, where is that coming from? And where we're coming from is we've got another break. So we'll be back to finish up this discussion because this is our long podcast, our three-segment podcast. So we'll be back after this quick break. All right, we're back for our last segment. Brian, the last segment's always okay. A lead-in before, what do we have to look ahead to? <laughs> it's kind of hard to look ahead when you're in a hole, isn't it? Yeah, well, as you know, the Hokies place, face uh Bitter former rival, Miami, I say bitter former rival because these two used to be the kings of the Big East and, and the Hokies dominated this series for a long time. It's kind of changed the last five years, but this game this weekend, I mean, Miami's not good. Let's go ahead and get that out there. And they're overhyped and just like their head coach. But anyhow, they're still better than Virginia Tech and I don't expect a good performance down there. I hope I'm surprised, but – I don't see a lot of good things happening, and we'll see what Fuente does with the with the changes. Not that he promised changes, but he said when he, he said we do not have an offensive identity. To me, that's him saying we got to make some changes. He obviously is not going to fire any coaches in season, so I assume that means hit more involvement with him in the offense. And for his sake, he should be more involved in the offense to get this thing going if it can get going. So. I don't expect I don't expect a lot of good things this weekend, but I'll probably say that for the next I don't know eight weeks. Well, my like I said, the only saving grace we have is Miami. Yeah, isn't that good? I was laughing. This came up with a buddy of mine at work. Said, yeah, well, the Miami game is all about who's who's not gooder, and that observation is probably pretty true. It's going to be it's going to be who's going to out lousy the other team. At this point, I'm just looking for something. Even if we lost and they pulled out all the stops and they tried anything, you know, put Quincy Patterson in there and let him run for a quarter. Let Hendon Hooker throw. He actually threw the ball. It was a pretty pass. He had his first collegiate completion. He actually nailed that one. That was actually a pretty pass. Do something. Stop running up the middle. Say, tell, tell Cornelson, go, go into the playbook and take all of the plays that run up the middle and tear them up, burn them. Put the and, quarterback and up see, underneath center. And, and, I'm, and I'm, every time I see the jet sweep, I want to claw my eyes out because it is a good play, but it's not a play you use every series. You don't do it every, yeah, you don't do it every time. You've, and that's the whole magic is you don't run plays every single time. You don't, you don't run the same play five times. The phrase on the sideline, I don't know if it was going around in the press box, was, gee, if the dive doesn't work, let's run the dive again. You know, something is not there. And I, I know part of what's not there. Part of what's not there is the play calling is not happening from the sideline, which means that the guy calling the plays is not talking and communicating directly, physically, humanly with the people that he's calling the plays for. He doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah, he sees the the press box eye view only from the center of the field. He sees the bird's eye view. But you and I both know, both having played and now you know being on the sidelines in games, football looks a whole lot different from the field than it does from the stands. And we say, oh, well, he was open over there. Well, take a look and find out what was in between the quarterback and the guy that was open and see if the quarterback could even see the guy that was open. People kind of, kind of forget that, that, that we see, we're sitting above every, everything. 
So something. If I was Fuente, I would have a ceremonial bonfire. And the first thing that I would throw on the bonfire is the playbook because it's lousy. And I'm not talking about the playbook as individual plays. I'm talking about the playbook as how the plays are grouped together, when you're supposed to run them, how they're supposed to be executed, and how they're supposed to be signaled. I would start with Cornelson's headset. Yep, I agree with you. Unplug it. Let him talk to the window. I I, I don't care. It's like, oh, nobody can hear Cornelson. I guess we're just going to have to call the plays from the sideline. Thank you. Somebody, anybody, I, I I think you could have... Cody Grimm calling better plays. One of the assistant coaches on the sideline could be calling better plays. Knox Kadem was the guy on the headset this time. He was the guy with the headphones signaling stuff in. Kadem himself, by himself, could call better plays than Cornelson's been putting in. I guarantee it. You at least have a better idea of what's going on on the field. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into the Miami game more later in the week when we do their preview. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I want to blow up the preview. I think. It, okay. This is this is between you, me, and our audience. The preview I'm planning is not going to be Mr. Down and Dirty Serious Preview. I think Brian and I need to work on some lightening the load a little bit and making this not a joke, but making it because I know there are a lot of people out there that saying the season's a joke, but trying to take a humorous look at some of this stuff because it's going to be a tough season. Sorry, I've said it in several posts to people and in responses back and forth on Facebook and on the article today, this is going to be a tough season. And it might be a tough two years. We might be grinding through a tough couple of years. I don't know, but it's easier to cover when you're not trying to kill yourself and you're not trying to outshine everything that's happening because it's, that's too easy. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, I mean, we we can be infinitely more interesting than a football team is right now, <laughs> and that's and that's pretty sad because Brian and I are just the old guys and football heads, and and I get we could lament about our joint passion with for the Washington Redskins and how how that's currently in the same bucket as Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's a tough year to be a to be a football fan, but my high school alma mater's undefeated, so there's always that. <laughs> yeah, Pulaski is doing a doing a pretty good job. And so, you know, at some point we're going to have to address the, 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 the Miami game. Let's just hope that if we, if we do something with Miami, that we're as good as we were in the 1980-81 Peach Bowl and Jim Kelly to 20 points. Yeah, it was 20 to 10, but we surprised the snot out of everybody. And folks, that was Dooley. That was not Beamer. That was so. I, I just want to leave everybody from my perspective with everybody needs to breathe. Yeah, it's going to be a terrible season, and there's going to have to be a lot of lot a lot of changes and and a lot of shuffling around. But it is still our football team, and we still have to go out there and and support them. Not because we love the coaching or love the coaches or whatever, but we love the kids, and they are putting it out there. They are working their butts off. They are up at oh dark thirty in the morning, practicing and studying, and then going to school. So let's let's not jump on them. I saw a couple of comments that they're jumping on, on on the the players is you know it, it you know personally or the coach's family, me, which I almost yeah. let's not do that. Let's not yeah. Let me get let me interject on that. What I can't stand is Twitter tough guys getting on there 
going after recruits, um, saying you're stupid for not picking my school. It's stupid. Get off Twitter. I also hate anybody attacking a player after a game, whether it's even professionals. Stop that. Because, yeah, you can, you're a fan and all that, but you don't have the right to get on there and attack people. And definitely don't be making threats to coaches and their families while I might not like what Justin Fuente is doing right now. I respect him as a man and as a family man. Leave that junk where it needs to be. And uh, that, that stuff right there disgusts me. Yeah, it's it and, it, and it's also a rule on our site. We we keep it professional. I've I've told this to all of my writers, all of my friends who comment. Uh, we keep this professional. We keep it. We keep the personal out of it, and we're going to keep it that way. So this ends this podcast. We pick it up sometime in the middle of the week, probably around Wednesday. And we, uh, since it's a more traditional week uh, with, with the game down in Coral Gables, and we're going to call that, we're gonna, I think we're going to name it the Stumble Bowl. And the Stumble Bowl is going to be an interesting uh, analytical for us. So if you all will just breathe, have hope. I know it's hard. Something's going to happen positive. We can all like, like get out there and, Sing, you know, they have an Imani Python 50th anniversary, and there are a couple of couple of those kind of tunes and a couple of the Monty Python movies that, yes, they're stark parody, but but look on the bright side. And as always, go Hokies. Go Hokies.